0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: Hello, this is Deb Wolf and you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And I have a very special guest today, someone who's never been on the program, first-timer, but he's been a veterinarian for 23 years, so he knows his way around your dogs and your cats, and he's coming on to help us today with some advice and some discussion, and I know some opinions. We're going to be talking to Dr. Jory Boknick, an old friend of mine, and uh, well, I'll just, without telling you more about him, I'll just say hello to Jory. We'll talk a little bit. We'll let you know what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Jory.
0: Hi, Deb. Did you really have to say old friend?
1: Yes. Yes, I did. It's been a long time. I go back with you, and I I hope you're ready for this, as far as Dooley. I go back to Dooley. I know, I know. Julie, the There's big more black than a few decades here. <laughs> yeah. And then Maggie, the bearded collie. I remember collie. Baron. Oh, you remember my Baron? That
0: was my first time. Of course dog I do. Ever. He's like the standard, he is the absolute best standard uh, uh, poodle ever. And he is the gold standard by which I measure every other standard I ever meet.
1: Oh, that's so nice. You, say, you know, I breed standard poodles now. And uh, same here. I I measure them all by, is it as calm as Baron? Is it as wise as Baron? You know, he saved us from ice on the toboggan. He had some real heroics to him, to his life story. But today, we're not going to talk about Baron as much as I'd like to. I'll get all emotional. So we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about some um, topics that are pretty timely in spring. I'm finding it timely at Camp Good Dog and seasonal things, caring for grooming and the importance of that. I just had a case I couldn't believe. So I'm going to tell you about that when we get back from the break. And I know you want to talk about raw food. So we're going to hit on that and we'll see where our conversation goes. So sure. are you ready for that, Dory?
0: I'm about to be ready for whatever. It's all good.
1: Have you been seeing uh, grooming issues this spring?
0: I see. Typically, I see grooming issues all year, but you're right, it does pick up in the spring because everybody starts getting outside, and even though the animals haven't been groomed in a while during the winter, they don't get tangled up with sticks and leaves and dirt nearly as much as now that the spring has finally arrived a month and a half late in the eastern provinces. But this last week, I've had at least six cats off the top of my head that have had nails growing into their pads. And the client's look at me like, doing what? I I didn't notice. I'm like, how can you not notice? Like, it's about a centimeter into the pad. Like, this is an obvious thing. We see it. And I see, I probably see that on a weekly basis. You see the Shih Tzu comes in that looks more like a sheep because it's like one solid mass of her, you know, or the. You know, and it's
1: not just beauty. Like, people think, oh, well, who cares? It's just a dog. No, the skin is actually pulled apart. The mat gets. painful. And then there's blistering, painful. Like infection, right? Like it just gets so deep, and it becomes a problem that's not just brushing and beauty. It becomes a medical problem. No,
0: it's absolutely it's a humane problem. Actually, if you look at a lot of some of these cats, where mm. they come in with like they're they're matted from their neck to their tushy, and oh. the no wonder they're cranky because they're constantly in pain. This kinds of mats, especially at certain parts of their bodies where they're more sensitive it's like someone pulling your hair all the time and you can't get away from it and you can't relieve that pain. And so when the kids come home and somebody goes to pet the dog and the hair behind its ears is just driving it crazy because there's these huge mats,
1: they right. turn on
0: the, the child and then they're like, oh, the dog's misbehaving. Well, no, the dog's in chronic pain and you've missed it. And now the consequence of that, the natural consequence of the dog responds as it would in pain because the child inadvertently touches a sore spot mm-hmm. and it's not a behavioral issue it's a husbandry issue.
1: Okay so I totally agree with that and I, I see your point about the cats and the and the nails growing and I thought that was mostly an issue with cats who had extra toes. I have a cat like that he has extra toes he has extra nails they grow funny directions I have to be on it. Is that really a problem with everybody's cat should everybody be checking their cats? It's
0: Everybody's nails? cat. I mean, Everybody's I cat. see a lot in Himalayan, So a lot of my long-furred kitties, mm-hmm. simply because you can't see them. But right. a lot of so my older cats, as cats get older, their nails kind of get thicker and look a little curled and gnarly in texture and they tend to grow more quickly for some reasons in cats who have medical conditions if you're hyperthyroid and that's a fairly significant problem that a lot of cats may encounter as they get older their nails grow oddly and longer and thicker and so you've been trimming your cat's nails maybe once a month and all of a sudden now you've got to be doing it once a week and if you're not on top of it before you know it those thumb pads are now being penetrated by that nail because it's not something you actually see that often.
1: Okay, so this sort of feeds into something that was in the news recently. Last week, our province finally decided no more declawing. It was already prohibited on Vancouver Island. If a vet wanted to Mm -hmm. declaw a cat, his license, his insurance, everything would be at risk, so nobody was doing it anymore. And, you know, there's the argument some people will just travel to locations where you can get it done, docking, cropping, all these things. As soon as you say no, you can find a vet who'll do it somewhere. But at least... To some degree, it makes the area these vets are practicing more humane, at least in my opinion. So we're sitting here talking right now about cat's claws growing too long, and I'm sure there are people listening thinking, well, why don't you just declaw it? But that's never the answer. Uh, do not you agree Not that? for
0: just routine care. It's like you don't pull your children's nails out. You cut their nails until they're old enough to learn to do it themselves. Right. You know? so, and no, and I, it's really I, easy to cut would a, would a cat. That would not be a reason snail. to declaw for me.
1: No, and when you do trim a cat's nails, it's not a big deal. They really, (laughs) you can get them used to it. You can have, if you need the help of a veterinarian or a groomer the first couple times to learn how, it's pretty easy. They don't really resist much, especially if you hold them well to start. And I find that's true with anything when you're doing with an animal. Hold them really, really well, really securely. Get some help till they're calm and they're used to it. And then when you do the procedure, make it really happy and pleasant and they won't be struggling anymore. But if you try to do it without holding and securing them the first time, then I think you can get into some problems.
0: Well, okay, I, so see, you're absolutely right, Ed. One of the things that should be part of every new kitten or puppy visit is, how do you hold your pet to make them feel secure? That should be part of every visit. so Because there's are gonna become times when it's not just cutting their nails, but if they've got something in their foot, if you wanna look in their ear, you wanna look in their mouth, if you're not holding them in a way where they don't think they're gonna fall, they're not gonna relax in your arms and allow you to do that and your vet, your tech, sometimes groomers will help you, should be able to help you learn some of these basic skills, but this leads into the responsibility of being a pet owner. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to go out and spend your hard-earned money or adopting an animal for nothing, but that's the easy part. The hard part is the daily grind and the day-to-day enjoyment, and part of those things are learning the skills you need to be able to take care of the creature you're choosing to bring into your family, whether it's a reptile, a fish, a cat, a dog, a bird, it's irrelevant each particular creature will have its own requirements and you should have the skill set to adequately take care of that. So something as simple as nail trimming a kitty, no one can say it's expensive because a regular toenail clipper from any drugstore is, in my opinion, the absolute best toenail clipper for cats. Fits sits in your okay. hand very easily and a $3.99 one will probably last you 15 years. And you're right. absolutely right, sitting in a comfortable position, making your pet feel secure, making it fun, making it relaxed, and you start doing it when they're a kitten, it becomes a no-brainer. It's something simple and easy. You watch the Blue Jays get blown out by New York. It, <laughs> You're innings. so
1: Toronto, Joy. And now everybody knows. We were talking to Joy <laughs> Vachnik from the Abbotsford Animal Clinic in Toronto and uh, north of the city a little bit. And uh, I'm here in Vancouver and we're having a cross-Canada call. We're going to go to break and when we come back, we're going to talk about something else that was in the news. Sadly, again, pit bulls. So we're gonna talk about that, I hope briefly, but we do have to cover it. So, Jory, we'll be back and we'll be back with Dr. Jory Votnick in a moment. Stay tuned to Animal Party on Fet Life Radio.
0: I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
1: Hello! We're back on Animal Party with Pet Life Radio, and you're listening to Deb Wolf. And we're having a great talk with Dr. Jory Botnick from Toronto. His clinic is Abbotsford Animal Hospital, abbotsfordanimalhospital.com. And we'll be posting a picture. And some other information, including a uh, Facebook link. So you could check out some of the beautiful, gorgeous faces of the animals that were not doing so great and then became totally well. The little happy wellness stories. So we'll be talking about that in a minute. But before we get to that, I'm not sure if you saw it in your news coverage, story, But out here, there was another attack recently. Uh, Nanaimo on Vancouver Island, where there were some children, three children, very young children playing in a yard in the front of a house. And these two pit bulls came along, purebred pit bulls, adult dogs, came along, no human, attacked the kids. One of the boys had a hockey stick, hit the dogs enough for him and his sister to get inside the house. But the other child, another little girl, ran to her own home, and the pit bulls mauled her terribly. They exposed bone on and on all through her arm, and she's had to have surgery. It's just terrible. So the pit bulls were uh, surrendered and put down. But once again, people are calling for breed bans. Coincidentally, a few days earlier, I had just witnessed a pit bull attack at a, a park near the Fraser River where people go to walk, children and animals, and this dog had come out of, was walking with a man on not on leash, saw a little dog in the distance and just went for it. And I ended up driving my van up and taking the little dog to the vet for the people. But is it something you see a lot? And do you have a, an opinion on what should be done about this?
0: Well, it's it's a problem all over, actually. But all the research shows, and a, and a really good, not too, uh, really good, relatively recent study was published in the Irish Journal of Vet Medicine. It's interesting you talked about this topic because it's, it's something that I probably speak on multiple times a month. There's yeah, me no too, difference.
1: unfortunately, really. It's, it's, and, you know, the breed bands, they don't really work, do they?
0: Well, there's no statistical difference whatsoever in legislated areas versus non-legislated areas with the number of bites, the types of bites, and the amount of trauma. So whether you legislate or don't legislate has no bearing on the damage. My personal opinion, the people who are irresponsible owners, which is where this problem originates, aren't the ones who are going to be paying attention to the legislation anyways. Like we, in our area, we are legislated against pitfalls. I can honestly tell you, I see them relatively frequently to be quite honest with you on my breed, uh, on my most favorite breeds. They're in my top 10 because I Mm -hmm. love them. Having said that, they can be exceptionally problematic when they're owned by the wrong people. And it's not the breed per se that's the problem, because it, whether it's pit bulls, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, all these breeds are created for particular purposes. Right. And you have to take that into account when you're acquiring them. And it's not the necessarily the stereotypic person we think of who's owning a pit bull on a chain with a spike collar walking down the street who's promoted their dog to be aggressive or using them in illegal activities for fighting. Other people who acquire them who have no clue, have no training tools in their training toolbox and treat yes. them like children and then wonder why they're turned on or when they escape because the prey drive, it's stronger in some breeds. It happens to be in these ones. They've been created for a purpose. And when you disregard that purpose and don't allow training to be involved to create a healthy environment and a healthy relationship, catastrophes happen. I mean, I get bit more by min pins, tiny little dogs, you know, than, I do by, t- by, than by yeah. pit bulls. I, I, well, and I, I to totally one.
1: believe that. But you see, you're not the you're not the typical target. Of these types of attacks normally it's like what you say it's the prey thing and there's something yep. running or moving or there's something little or there's some kind of fighting going on it's not it's not a grown man that they normally have an well, incident but what with. What happens right? is
0: in my situation when the dogs come in in the clinic-wise they're nervous mm-hmm. That's and so true, yeah. I have to deal with the dogs who are who've been allowed to become dominant and so they're dominant aggressive as opposed to yeah. the dogs who break in a way, packed up and now are roaming free and looking for prey And in the most recent story that you just just told us about, the child who ran, probably screaming, that creates the prey instinct, cranks it up to full. And then both these dogs feed off each other into a form of avalanche aggression and now you have the catastrophe. Why is the person who owned those dogs not charged with... Homicide or man Well, and you
1: know what? The day before, literally two days before, they had been ticketed with dogs off leash. Get control of your dogs. Those same people with those same dogs. So, but the and authorities are, the are so limited. To
0: legislation.
1: I know, and so. it's so frustrating for for the authorities. We just had uh, the biggest cruelty bust ever. This woman who's multiple times appears to be uh, boarding dogs for people and then is keeping them in horrible conditions and she finally got arrested. She finally, it, it, what's the consequence? Oh, she can't own an animal for seven years. You bet he, in eight years she'll be back up and running, you know? And it's so Why frustrating. Why would she wait eight
0: years? These people don't pay attention mm-hmm. to the rules and they are the the punishment. Is insignificant when you kill somebody by accident with your car. It's vehicular manslaughter causing death. Mm-hmm. You go to jail. Mm-hmm. You scar this poor child. If they, who knows the long term damages that will be resulted both physically and mentally, that she's going to have to endure for rest it's of terrible. her life. terrible. Yes, you
1: know? she's a, she's I mean, never she's not going to feel safe playing in her yard, playing in her house, playing with other kids in her neighborhood. I mean, there's so many things. Never mind her fear of dogs, which is going to yep. be huge. So,
0: Absolutely. So- so, so when you when we look at legislation, we also have to though recognize that the non dog, non pet owning community, which is larger, doesn't want to be around them, because in part you send there's no way that this doesn't get sensationalized, and you see the video a thousand times an hour on yes. every YouTube yeah. channel, and all it does is foment fear as opposed to education. I mean, I don't necessarily want to plug Caesar Milan too much, but you got to be honest, he does a really really good job of demonstrating how you can manage animals in different situations, but realistically, because not every animal belongs in every home and not every mm-hmm. person should have the right to buy every kind of dog, you know, but we have no tests, we have no rules and we have no regulations. And so you get people who even well-intentioned collect these animals and then have no clue with what they're doing. And then these dogs are out and they're loose and nobody intended for something terrible to happen, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it doesn't mean it won't happen again because, okay, I won't get you know, an American staff, I'll get a Presta canario.
1: Well, that's the other uh, thing, right? We ban pit bulls and we get stronger, tougher, more aggressive breeds coming on the market. Press the Canarios. And I mean, you don't, if you don't raise that well, we're in real trouble. It's a pit bull times two, really, weight and size-wise,
0: you know. They're all very subtle variations of a similar theme. And they appeal to a certain population for a variety of reasons. They appeal to me. We probably have more that type breed than any clinic around us. We get all the animals that nobody likes to handle.
1: Well, I accept them here at Camp Good Dog, So we do have pit bulls coming here that no one else will take, you know, and some of them are fantastic. Ours is a behavioral line. If your dog is aggressive with people and dogs, it can't come here. It can come here for training, but it can't come here to stay because I won't expose my staff to that kind of thing. But if it's a pit bull and it's sweet and social and friendly, then it can come here, you know, and so that's how that goes. But I do get your point about the well-meaning people because there are some people who don't get that what they have is a dog who was bred for fighting and what they have is you know like a giant muscle with a big head and a big jaw they they think it's a sweetie pie sucky pie and they maybe don't take the the training that people who would go out and buy a Doberman would understandably know they need to take they know they need to train this dog there's a lot of people who get sucked in by this uh, let's rescue all the pit bulls and they don't know what they're doing and I I totally take your point on that and I think sometimes that's exacerbated by this rescuing dogs from other places phenomenon that's going on right now Okay, so let's talk about that when we come back from our second break because we've got to take the break. I hate to take the break, but we'll be back soon. So stay tuned to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about this pit bull issue a little more. We're going to have a good story, a wellness story, and we might even get some raw food today. So stay tuned. We'll be back. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless
0: cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In
1: the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor a homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere.
0: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of liquor chops, get the third bottle, Free new improved Licochops Chops with omega 3, omega 6, vitamin E, and now six extra direct fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E D I N O V I T E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life, Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. <laughs>
1: Hello! You're back on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. And we're talking to Dr. Jory Bachnick at Abbotsford Animal Hospital. And you can see him at abbotsfordanimalhospital.com and that's over in Toronto, north of the city there. And um, he's got a great Facebook site where you can see pictures of the dogs coming in not so great and then getting well. So happy stories all around. But we're in the middle of talking about the pitbull issue. And I didn't want to cut you off, Jory. So we're back from break. Let's keep talking about the pitbull issue.
0: You know, further to what you're saying, and what we talked about a little bit with how the media portrays these, you've got the sensationalized size with, here's the pitbull attack. And subsequently, it's all over. So we create a level of fear. But on the other side, you've got people who, and here's a bit of a problem with Caesar, where he'll show some of his pitties like Like Daddy or Mr. President, and everybody sees these titties on TV and they're fantastic, and they go, Oh, I can have that. But then they don't recognize that there was a relatively large amount of training that went involved in socializing. It doesn't mean you have to be a Cesar Milan to own that, but there's a certain amount of work and research you need to do and knowledge you need to have before you enter into the ownership of some of that kind of of dog because it's not a Labrador. It's not a golden retriever. And so it's been created with lots of breeding and genetics for particular purpose. And if you're going to depurpose it, you have to be prepared for it. And when you treat them, as we said earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean people with bad intentions. These are people with good intentions who are either Mm -hmm. adopting them, rescuing them, or purchasing them. But then they treat them like they're children and they indulge them and then the next thing you know, the dog runs the house, gets out and you have a problem. Or, some, or you can't come into the kitchen, but he's a really good dog. Or if he's oh, on the couch, yes. you can't go into the family room, but he's a really good dog.
1: I love no, the fact he's are the, a these great dog. Yes. That
0: I see all the and time. you get
1: this list, right? Like he this and this is wrong and this is wrong. But he's a good dog, and the list gets exactly. longer and longer. Oh, we can't go near him when he's eating. Oh, we can't go near his cage. Oh no, don't, don't, don't touch his toys. <laughs> don't put your hand in the car window, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, don't these people realize they've got a ticking time bomb? No, they I don't. Know, and then they the first time with... he attacks, they say, nope. "Oh, well, he's never done that before." Yes, he no, has. No,
0: coming. But he's a really good dog.
1: He's a really good dog. What makes him a good dog is what I want to know. Because there is a good dog inside there. But when they let that sucky puppy climb on the bed, and then he got more and more mature. And I'm not saying every dog should be off the bed. But a dominant dog, oh, boy, you don't let him on the bed. Because then that's it. That's the end of, of your rule of the house. But, okay, so the other thing about this rescue problem I see is that people unload there will be breeders breeding for the fight ring and they'll unload some of those dogs aren't quite aggressive enough for fighting but they'll end up in homes that have no idea where they got that dog from and Mm -hmm. that's a problem for me too
0: well and unfortunately the shelters can only go by what they're given and they're all underfunded and they're all all the shelters are staffed with excellent well-intentioned people they're Mm -hmm. all out there to do a good thing problem is what they're trying to do can cause harm because unfortunately good intentions can lead to harm and you end up with some of these dogs who oh someone is I mean you and I have heard them all right but oh, we mm-hmm. had to get rid of the dog because he's allergic oh, we had to get rid of the dog because we're moving etc etc we got divorced well, we got it. kind
1: of sabbatical we like, yeah exactly and then you find out no
0: and then yeah. you end up with you know someone who also good intention wants to pick up this dog they see it online or they see it they go visit it and then they come home And then the next thing you know, it's a problem because the vast majority of these dogs are there because of behavioral issues, whether it's simply lack of ability to house train or all of a sudden it's tearing up the house because it needs more exercise than they want it to do because the shine has worn off a puppy. And now it's an adult dog who needs to go for two one and a half hour walks a day to burn off jet fuel because you picked up an Australian Shepherd. Right. People really have to know what they're getting. And if you're rescuing a dog, it's a lot more work, especially the adult dogs, because they come with stuff. They're not coming with a blank slate. They're coming with lots of baggage. It doesn't mean it can't be done, but you got to go at it with an open mind and, and open eyes and with some skills before you have a problem. So call your vet. Say, this is what I'm planning on doing. What should I do? What books should I read? Is there a class I should take? And we can help you be prepared so when the dog comes home, You're already set up. The bowls are in the right spot. You've got a kennel. You've already taken some classes. So when I say, you know, here's the feeding routine, it's not the first time you've heard that, you know, this is why you do this, this, this. And it's not just Dr. Bachnick being a great big meanie, which is sometimes a label that I get painted with. It's because there is a purpose for it. And the purpose is to create the relationship that will be happy and healthy for all of you. It's not just about the owners. It's got to be about their dogs.
1: Okay. Okay. So we've talked quite a bit about pit bulls. I know I'll get lots of emails. I do love them, but I do want people to understand what they've got and be up on their training. And you know what? If you don't want to be second-guessed everywhere you go, if you don't want people telling you, I'm sorry that you can't walk that dog here, I'm sorry that you can't keep that dog, then don't get a pitbull. don't get a Rottweiler, get some cross that looks really innocuous and friendly, because you'll have way less hassles, there really are a lot of people trying to mind your business if you own a pitbull or a Rottweiler, and then that creates a problem too, because they're approaching you with aggression, which is the last thing you need on your walk with your stroller and your dog, exactly. you know. So, okay, so I think we've covered that today. Let's talk about your wellness story. What have you got for me? Who's that cutie pie? Did you see that that picture I sent you? I did, and we're going to post it, so anybody listening to the show is seeing it when they look online. Who is that? That's
0: little Minnie, and she came to me within 12 hours of the owner picking her up from the airport from the breeder, and on her way home, she vomited a few times. So she Mm -hmm. came in and saw one of my partners, Dr. Derek Clark, And at this point, the dog looks fine. It just was sick in the car twice. So maybe it's stress, maybe it's intestinal parasite. I think he did a poop sample, which is normal. She took it home because it seemed completely fine. We gave it something to settle his tummy, her tummy, and off she went. But the vomiting did not stop. And overnight, she got very, very lethargic, came in the next morning.
1: And everything's
0: now gone gone to heck in a handbasket. She can't raise her head. Ultimately, Uh she bled into her stomach. And what we believe happened was the reason I talked a bit about raw food is she was raised on raw food. And our suspicion is she got salmonella E. coli poisoning,
1: um, became completely
0: septic and subsequently bled out into her stomach. So her rate count was actually not compatible with life. So what we had, what we did at that moment, as every oh good veterinarian God. does, I have several dogs and several of them are blood, blood donors. donors. And so right. yeah. my youngest Labrador was happy to donate. Minnie really was 800 grams. So it's wow. not like she required a lot of blood. No,
1: no, she But uh, Winston
0: you. was happy to donate. And when uh, she ended up going home every night with either my partner, Mark or Derek or myself for, for two weeks almost. And so one day she's sitting in the lap of one of my children with her IV in, in front of the television. And one of my other kids put one of our dog's dog antlers that they like to chew in yeah. front of this tiny little creature. And all of a sudden her eyes opened and she sniffed it and she started to chew it. And they're like, you know, that's a behavior that Winston seems to do. Oh, interesting. And, well, because what we think now is I think this little teeny, she's I've fully grown. I think she's about a kilo and a half now. Right. She made a miraculous recovery. But she's got a few odd behaviors. I think she's twenty percent Labrador now. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have to funny. apologize to the owner because she's developed a bad <laughs> habit that Winston had of liking to eat poop. Oh
1: no. Yep,
0: yep. Vets dogs, terrible. Terrible. Oh
1: no. Um and okay. she beats what up her do much do older for that, brother. Though? What do you just oh, really, It
0: couldn't have been a better story. The owner hung in there for weeks. I can't I even begin to tell you the amount of intense the amount of work and intensive care oh. that went into this teeny absolutely tiny creature. I don't think she ever stayed still because she was either being carried, cuddled, or coaxed You as a
1: breeder, I I don't ship dogs. I'm just too worried. I'm too worried about all the things that can happen and the trauma and just, you know, I'm sending a really well-socialized, confident dog. What are they going to get on the other end if it's terrified en route? And never mind the medical and the health risks. And it's just, if someone's willing to take it with them and fly with the dog on the plane with them, okay, no problem. Or drive with it or what? I'll do that. I've even had them go as far as Europe and Panama and all kinds of places but I won't stick him in baggage. And I I would so worry about a tiny pup like that. Oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, it's quite something. But as you can see, fully grown, she totally looks like a little manga character.
1: (laughs) So raw food then. I mean, most people here seem to think it's what you do when you really care, when you're going to go above and beyond. Now, to me, I do feed my animals not just um, processed commercial foods. I also top it up with foods I make for them. But it's yep. not raw. it's cooked. And so I don't know. I sometimes I give them raw eggs, though I should say. I have hens, chickens. But the salmonella is kind of scary, and um, I worry over people who have open bowls of raw food and kids wandering around, and you know, I don't think that's ever a good mix. How do you make sure people are safe with this?
0: Well, that's there and is the is the issue. I mean, people who feed raw aren't doing it to make life easy for themselves. They're really reaching and stretching for something that's better. It's not cheaper. It's generally substantially more expensive, but the the problem is it's founded on nothing except personal opinion and belief. I mean, people talk about it's better for the dogs because the enzymes are inactivated in the cooking well. We know the only enzymes that get past stomach acid are two of them. Everything else gets denatured in the stomach. Mm So that kind of puts that whole theory out the window. Food safety and nutritional adequacy for me are big ones because... 80% 80% of human-grade chicken that's in your grocery store is contaminated with oh. campylobacter. 15% is contaminated with salmonella. This is, you go into oh. any grocery store. This is why we have to cook our food.
1: Sorry, don't um, tell me this stuff. I sorry, sorry, know. but these are, just,
0: these are just facts, you know. Yeah. In, I mean, in cats, eating, the, their, the studies show that raw food, whole individual prey dietary raw food is more palatable. Yes. But the foods that we feed to these animals haven't been thoroughly investigated, so they're not nutritionally complete or balanced. Mm-hmm. If they have an AFCO sticker on it, which is one of the means by which we regulate whether foods meet the n- minimum requirements for nutritional adequacy, they don't do it by food trials. They do it by studies. So they say, well, this is what we have to put into the food, so it's in there now. We know it's good. The problem is how you make that food will dictate how it's absorbed in the animal, we don't know truly if it is complete and balanced. And so, and most of them are not, I can't think of any except maybe one that might be approved for growing dogs. So a lot of these raw diets are labeled for sporadic use, but people don't do that. And so you have issues of not being complete or balanced. You have issues of food safety and contamination. And then we're really not doing anything. Um, we're not getting the benefit. People will say, well, when I started feeding raw, his itch went away. Well, or her itch went away. Well, the reality is all we did was eliminate the ingredient that was causing the itch in the first place. So for us as veterinarians, these are highly dedicated owners. These are not owners looking for an easy way with their pets. They're looking for what's best. So our responsibility is to acknowledge that these are highly dedicated owners prepared to go an extra mile or two for their animals. How can we give them better tools so they can make better choices? So you talk about home cooking. We have some excellent guidelines now for home-cooked recipes. If you really want to go that extra mile and be in control, here are the recipes and we'll give them out to you. And there are some human-quality foods that are available now that are approved for use in dogs that have gone through food trials. And We can do that, but talk to your vets. We're here to provide the best information we can to allow your animals to be healthier for the longest period of time. And the reason our Labradors, for, I keep going back to labs because I tend to have about seven at any one time. <laughs> I have one um, they used
1: right to, now. When
0: we, were, when we were young and I had Dooley, if you recall, an yeah. old lab was nine. Well, now old labs are 15. And they're right. not 15 because we can do MRIs and replace corneals, corneas and do heart surgery. They're living to be 15 because... We prevent them from getting sick through good vaccination protocols. We offer them excellent nutrition that keeps them healthy. And we keep them healthier longer. So while we have really cool and slick medicine and surgical procedures, it's the day-to-day husbandry. It goes back to what we said earlier with with the dog breeds. It's the day-to-day training that creates a happy, healthy household for the owners and the pets. And it's the day-to-day animal health with good food, preventing them from getting sick, good exercise, good coat care, that keeps these animals healthier and will keep them in our family longer.
1: You sort of touched on it a bit when you talked about mismatched owners to pets when, you know, couch potato people buy border collies and wonder why their dog's destroying the house. But I think boredom is a big, big deal in this. You know, I've I've been running this place here, Camp Good Dog, since uh, 2000, officially. And so I see lots and lots of dogs coming, and I see what they come with. They come with their own food. So I see who's feeding the fancy foods, and the cheaper foods, and who's, you know, frozen, raw tripe, and who's got the processed kibble from the supermarket, and all the different things. And I do see the biggest difference, who lives the longest, who's the healthiest, seems to be the dogs who are entertained and exercised. The ones who are bored chronically bored no matter what they're fed they don't do that well you know you got to spend time with them that's really you know it makes a difference
0: whether you're a dog a cat or a person the secret to longevity doesn't start when you're 50 or 60 the secret to longevity starts when you're a kid and you're active you got to be engaged the more you do the better your food is day to day the less ice cream you give your dog and the better and if you I mean as I said Raw food diet people are prepared to go the extra mile and spend the extra money. If you're prepared to do that, then cook for your dog. Be in control completely of the ingredients And if your dog's itchy, you now can have the control to say, you know, I'm going to pull out poultry, and I'm going to insert venison. And and then we do a trial for four weeks. Oh, my God, this coat's gotten better. It has nothing to do with how we prepared it, whether it's raw or not. It's the Mm -hmm. ingredients that Mm -hmm. we choose and whether the dog is sensitive or not.
1: Well, and sometimes it's the additives. It's these weird ingredients in the food. So just switching a brand or switching from one type to another can solve your problem. You don't necessarily – if you've got a dog who's scratching and picking or always has ear infections, you're constantly going to the vet for the same recurring problems, probably a diet change is a good plan, wouldn't you say?
0: Diet change is a good plan. Looking for that underlying problem, the ear infections, that's a really good point, especially for this time of year. Ear infections are almost always secondary. Secondary mm-hmm. to something else. The, ears, the infection is a result of the inflammation in the ear. And what's driving that? Well, this time of year, it's all the trees are pollinating. Look at your cars. Everything's covered in yellow. And you can start to see the dogs who come in with these recurrent ear infections because they have an underlying allergy to something. So whether it's food, whether it's inhaled, or whether it's contact, you've got to look for it. But that's also part of being an engaged owner. The dog isn't the toy you put on the shelf, pull out for an hour, and then put back on the shelf. Going back to your point about being engaged and keeping them from getting bored.
1: Well, and cats, you know, I see people treat cats like paintings. You just put it on the wall, you put it on the shelf, and you walk away like it's an object yeah. of art. No, a cat yeah, no, needs not, to play. It's
0: not a houseplant. House they need to be <laughs> able to express as well. Good
1: point. Oh, you know, we've run out of time. I think we covered everything. But I so wanna do another show. I hope you'll come back and work for sure, on we'll another show. Oh, right on. Okay. So we're gonna have to plan that. And thank you so much for coming to the show it's great and to sharing. Talk to you, Jeff. And uh, for everyone listening, if you want to hear more from Dr. Jory Bocknick, you can check him out at AbbotsfordAnimalHospital.com. We're also going to post the Facebook link so you can look at that cute puppy we were talking about. And we're going to post her picture, too. And some other information about Dr. Jory so you can get to know him a little bit. We're going to have him back on the show for sure. All right, everybody. So thank you for joining us today. Until next time, be good to your animals.